Good morning, Lamar Avenue. We're grateful for your presence. If you're a guest today, thank you for being here. These are wonderful people. Nine out of 10 of them are really good, so you'll appreciate appreciate nine out of 10 of them. If you know you're the one that's not really good, then you can come forward at the end and we'll help you there. But it's always good to be at Lamar Avenue and uh, I appreciate your presence this morning. Open your Bibles, if you would, this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I appreciate your uh, comments two Sundays ago when I was here. Many of you felt that was just pouring out my heart and talking about the minister and ministry. And you happened to be correct about that. So I'm grateful for your patience about this little emphasis on the preacher and the congregation, the relationship, as you anticipate the coming of a preacher. On the front page of your bulletin, if you've got a book, is uh, kind of where we are and uh, where the team is. And I think we're coming down to the final stretch in the next four to six weeks as they narrow down the candidates. And uh, it's an exciting time. It's going to be a difficult time. It gets really testy on the team because everybody's going to be an advocate for who they built relationship with, who they believe is is good for this church. And you're fortunate to have um, several good candidates that are still in the loop in this process and your prayers are needed. You may have noticed on the bulletin that um, one church that uh, we have worked with in our ministry partners, they totaled up the number of hours they spent on the search team over nine months. They spent 3,500 hours as a team and 400 hours of working just once they decided this is the recommendation to the elders, they spent 400 hours doing that. What I'm saying is people are making sacrifices for the sake of the body of Christ and prayer and discernment, and they're doing good work. And they're a very diverse team, and you should be uh, uh, thankful for their work and the number of hours they put in. Now, that doesn't count the number of hours that Jimmy Faulkner has slept during meetings. Uh, or, you know, that, that's all I'm saying right there, okay? Just leave that alone. But we're grateful for everybody's presence today. By the way, I notice when some of you are nodding in the services, and I've decided for every person I see that's nodding, it adds two minutes to the sermon so you don't get out to lunch in time today. So, uh, Next weekend, you have a real treat in store And it will be provocative, it will be challenging, and it will stretch you big time. It is a person, a friend named Larry James. I've known Larry James a long, long time. And he is one of the leading men in the state of Texas in regards to working with the poor and what it means to respond to the poor the way Jesus responded to the poor. He's going to be here next Sunday. He leads City Square in Dallas. It is an incredible ministry that not only just gives fish, but teaches people how to fish and helps them in tremendous ways in the city of Dallas. And it's part of your initiative here of connecting this community and serving this community with great needs. And Larry will bless you next week with a very Christ-informed message about what it means to do justice in the spirit of Micah 6. And I know you'll be blessed and you need to invite friends. Larry will challenge you. You will not go away doubting what he thinks or what he 
has to say about the poor and about how the church ought to be there for the poor. Let's pray. Father, as Lamar Avenue engages this process and has done it well and fully, I pray, Father, that that you would give them wisdom and discernment as they make a recommendation to the elders of who ought to join them in this ministry. We pray, Father, for uh, the person that is coming and their family, that it would be to your glory. And we do recognize, Father, that the church is bigger than the minister. But the minister has a role to play. We all minister, but this preacher that will be here reminds us of the gospel, calls us to live well, challenges our faith, instills hope, inspires love, shows grace and mercy and peace. Be with him, Father. Be with this team. And may this church focus outward in the spirit of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Beginning in verse 8 of 2 Timothy 2. You remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David, that is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is sure. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Two weeks ago, we talked about the preacher being a person who just doesn't have a job, but he has a calling. That preaching is not just a job, it is a calling from God. Today I want to focus on the preacher is a leader. And here's the second part. Let him lead. The preacher is a leader. Let him lead. Let me say it again. The preacher is a leader. Let him lead. What does leadership look like? Well, it looks like this. According to the two women in the office, who are the most important person, people in this church, here's what it looks like to lead. Tanya says, I want someone who can motivate our congregation. Leading is motivation. I want something that leads us to a deeper relationship with God. Leading is spiritual in nature that moves people closer to God. I want someone that leads us deeper to one another. Leading is connecting people and networking people and moving people together with one another. 
I want somebody that's on fire and excited about coming together with a sense of purpose. Leading is reminding the church what our purpose is. This is Ta- these are Tanya's words, not just showing up on Sunday, but coming together with a sense of intentionality and a sense of purpose. She says, I can be very distracted, and so I hope the man that comes keeps my focus and challenges me to listen, to think on things, and apply what he shares each week. What does it mean for the preacher to lead? It means that he, according to his gifts, organizes. It means that he plays well with others. I love that, Tanya. That's awesome. She says, we have a really good team right now that functions well together. That means Jared and Keith do what the ladies want. That's what that means. (laughs) I want someone that compliments the team. Tanya says, I want someone that helps make things happen. Making things happen means someone's got to leave. Well, we're just all, the preacher's not above anybody else. True. And the elders need to be, okay, true. And, and yeah, who's running this church? The elders or the ministers? Yes. You see, what we do is we create false dichotomies. A preacher has certain gifts, church. Hopefully he has the gift to proclaim, herald, announce the word of God. That's one of the words for preachers, is he is a herald. He is an announcer of God's good news. He's also a teacher that explains and unpacks and gives insights. He is also an apostle. Oh, no, 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 there were 12 apostles. The word apostle simply means someone who's been sent. He sends out. He's been sent to you for a purpose. These are all the three words Paul uses about himself in regards to Timothy. I was a herald, I was an apostle, and I was a teacher. Tanya goes on to say, I want someone that helps make things happen. Years ago, I, I left the Mansfield Church of Christ, moved to Irving to the South MacArthur Church of Christ. And then after 15 years there, I, I felt like it was time for, th- they needed someone else besides me. And so the Mansfield elder said, we'd like for you to come back and be our preacher again. My name's not John, okay. I'd like for you to come back. I said, no, no, that was good. I re- enjoyed the Mansfield community, enjoyed raising my kids there. You don't need me. I'm 55 years old now when they called me back. I've got less hair I'm fatter, and I got a bad attitude two two out of seven days a week. And they said, we know all three. Come anyway. I said, why do you want me to come? I can find you a 35 or 40-year-old man. Mansfield's a growing community. It's one of the fastest in Texas. You're a good group of people. You don't want me. I'm 55 years old. And here's what they said. We know you, and we trust you. Trust is the capital of leadership. It doesn't matter if it's a football team or if it's a school board or trust is the capital of leadership. If you have trust, it doesn't mean you won't disagree or have differences, but you have trust. I fundamentally, they fundamentally knew who I was because they'd worked with me before and I fundamentally knew who they were because I'd worked with them before. And we'd cried together and laughed together and shared together. It takes time to build that trust. 
So when the new preacher lands, it's not easy. You got to give him space. Give him space for relationships. Invite him into your home. Take him to dinner. Take him to dinner. Oh, did I say that? Take him to dinner. You, you've got, you can't just sit back and wait. Well, I hope he's going to impress me. What kind of attitude is that? A preacher is a leader. The elder said, come and talk to us. And I said, I, I don't know if I, if I really want to come back, guys, or not. And they said, well, just come over on a Sunday evening. I mean, on a Tuesday evening. Let us buy you dinner at Chili's or something and just talk to us. I, I know we... You, you, you can't decide if you want to come back. We really want you to come back. I said, I don't know. I talked to Karen. She says, well, you know, go talk to him, I guess. And so I went over on a rainy night in Mansfield, Texas, went to Chili's. And I said, I don't, want to, I don't want to eat with you. I don't want to be with you. I just want to go to Chili's by myself. So I went to Chili's by myself. And I, there's a young man there that waited on me, a really nice young man. And I said, can you tell me something? Are there any good churches in this town? He said, well, I grew up here. I said, really? Well, I grew up Baptist, but the pastor there is pretty arrogant, and I, I, I can't, you know, he's, I, I, don't want, I don't go there anymore. Well, I went down to this church over here, but all they talk about is money every week. It seems like they're interested in themselves. Well, this church over here is a pretty good church. Well, what makes it a good church? I said, he said, well, what, what's your brand? What are you looking for? I said, well, I'm looking for a church of Christ, you know, Christian church, disciples, something, you know, something. I just threw it out there, and he said, church of Christ, huh? You know, I can't think of where one is in this town. Did you grow up here? Where did you grow up? Well, I grew up on Blueberry Lane. You mean right across from the elementary school, the middle school, whose property is adjacent to the Mansfield Church of Christ? Yep. You know, that might be a church of Christ on the hill with the big white steeple. I said, well, you know, it might be. I'll check that out. Thank you very much. The elders get together in a room and they said, boy, we're excited you're considering coming back here. I said, let me tell you a story, guys. If I'm coming back here, things are going to change. And you know me well enough to know I'm going to lead. They said, we know that. Keep us in the loop, collaborate with us, but lead. So let me tell you a story, guys, before you say that. And I told them the story. Their heads went down. I said he grew up two blocks in this church. And we've been so focused inwardly as a church, people don't even know who we are. Well, you know, I don't know if that's totally true. Don't you be defensive with me. Listen to what I'm saying. You're the ones that asked me to come here. If I'm going to be here, I'm going to lead us into the community. We're going to be a church that lives the gospel of Christ. And they said, well, Grady, you know, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we want. We want a leader. Your elders have said, in writing and privately, we want somebody that cares and feeds the church spiritually. That's called pastor. 
We don't call him pastor, but that's exactly what that is. We want somebody that teaches the word of God. Ah, Ephesians 4, pastor, teacher. Timothy's in Ephesus. Get that? This is the connection to Ephesus, Ephesians 4. Timothy's there. And we want somebody to lead. Your elders say, we don't want just a preacher for us to sit in a room and decide which direction the church. We want to lead together collaboratively with a vision that makes Lamar Avenue outward that fulfills the vision that's on the front of your bulletin. A preacher is a leader. You can't teach and influence people's thinking without leading, right? You can't shape, you can't have... Talk about attitude and behavior and the way we ought to be without leading. A preacher is a leader. Preaching by its very nature shapes thoughts, deals with attitudes, helps people know how to behave. Well, I just want a preacher that preaches the gospel. All right? That's exactly what Paul is reminding Timothy to do, and so he does name-calling. When I was a kid... The preacher in this little church I grew up in Oklahoma, if you started falling asleep or talking to your friends, we didn't have cell phones back then, didn't have to worry about that. It's hard to take those phones off the wall and bring them to church with the cord. <laughs> that was before. And the preacher would say, Grady, you need to wake up, young man. Whoa. Then when I get home, my mother would say, don't you ever fall asleep again. That embarrasses me. Or uh, would somebody please wake Brother Jim up back there? He needs to hear this message. That's the kind of church I grew up in. What Paul tells Timothy is, there are some people that are about to shipwreck their faith, and let me give you who they are. Hymenaeus and Alexander, and I'm going to turn them over to Satan so they'll be taught not to blaspheme. Whoa. That's not just leadership, that's not just teaching, that is direct application to the very people that sit, what we'd say, in the pew, even though they didn't have pews back then. Do you get what I'm trying to say? There's a way of preaching that just stays really high. But when we say very direct things to the church, we pay a price for that, right? If you look in 2 Timothy, here's the gospel. Let me give you three snapshots starting in 1 Timothy 1. You can open your Bibles right there. Three quick ones. Somebody says, preach the gospel. Well, here it is. There is one God, 1 Timothy chapter 2. There is one mediator between God and human mankind, humankind, Christ Jesus himself, human who gave himself a ransom for all, this was attested at the right time, for this I was appointed a proclaimer, a herald, an apostle. I'm telling you the truth, I'm not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. There's the gospel. Let me give you another snapshot. The mystery, chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, verse 14 following. Paul says, I want to come to you, but I'm writing these instructions so that if I am delayed, you may know how to, you ought to behave in the household of God. The household of God is not a building. It's 
How do you behave as God's people? Here we go. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the bulwark, mine says, of truth. The pillar and ground of truth. Without any doubt, here's the gospel. The mystery of our religion is great. Revealed in the flesh, vindicated in spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among Gentiles, believed on through the world, taken up in glory. There's a snapshot of the entire Bible right there about Jesus. Let me give you the last passage that, we just, that shows you a glimpse of what this gospel preaching looks like. The one we just read. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David, that is my gospel which I've been in chains for. There you have three snapshots and definitions of what it means for a preacher to be anchored and hold on to and order the church's life by this gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus. You remember. That's what Paul tells Timothy. You remember Jesus Christ. Well, what is he supposed to remember? This is the man that descended from David. This is the man who was, watch the text, raised from the dead. That's my gospel. Well, I thought the gospel was, according to Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, it is, 15, 1 through 4. You want a preacher that reminds you of who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ came for and where Je what Jesus Christ wants to do in your life and what Jesus Christ means in your life. You want a preacher that challenges you as he walks. Now, Tanya finishes by saying, here's what it means to be a leader. Someone who communicates, someone who is approachable, and someone who is comfortable to be around. That's why you wouldn't want me here. <laughs> Kim Hanley says it this way. Kim wrote me 17 pages of notes. I, whew, no, she didn't. Here's another one. I want someone that communicates. He communicates about where he is and what's he doing and the needs and his deadlines and let us be helpful, let us be part of a team. We all work very well together. Do you hear that theme? We all have strengths and weaknesses. We recognize them and work with them. We will be a great team. I want someone who leads with compassion, who leads with discernment. Be prepared to deal with benevolence because it's going to come. I want somebody that is up on today's technology that we can connect in email and text and computers. I want somebody to be a minister, not a manager. We have others in charge of the building and the grounds. This is your office people talking. I want someone that speaks the truth, but I want them to do it in love. Now, Kim has raised something that's kind of a hot button, and that is speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love has nothing to do with people outside of this building. It has everything to do with people inside of this building. Speak the truth in love has to do with growing up and dealing with things in your life as he is dealing with them as well. My commitment is to the biblical text. Regardless of our tradition, regardless of our background, regardless of how we've ever done it here at Lamar Avenue, my commitment is to the biblical text as the Holy Spirit reveals what I need to say to the body of Christ. Is that, is that right? It means it takes work, it takes time, it takes prayer, it takes discernment. It's hard work. 
And sometimes you change, and sometimes you back off, and sometimes you have to weigh, are we really ready to hear that or not? That's discernment. But speak the truth in love is about growing up in all things in Jesus Christ. That's the context of Ephesians chapter 4, 15. It's not about people with whom we religiously disagree. It's about growing up in Christ. That means you've got to get down in the nitty-gritty of life. And being committed to the biblical text means there's some passages I just soon skip over and don't want to preach. You ever had that? I'm thinking, I've got to, I'm committed to this. But it's problematic. And if I'm not living it, I'm not going to act like I am. I'm going to tell you as a preacher, I have struggled in this area in my life, but this is what God's Word says, whether I'm struggling with it or not, or whether I'm doing it well or not. Amen? It's a degree of humility. It's a degree of transparency. It's a degree of openness. Kim talks about speak the truth in love. We all need our toes stepped on sometimes, Kim says, but you don't have to stomp on them constantly. <laughs> a couple weeks from now, I'll talk about the different voices of preaching. There's a prophetic voice of preaching. Prophets convict people of sin. That's what prophets do. They just call it out. As my wife says, honey, you've been a prophet for about four weeks. Could you have Barnabas show up for two or three weeks? That would be helpful to all of us. You see, there's different voices. There's the teaching voice. There's the prophetic voice. There, is, there are different voices, and I'll, I'll go through that in a couple of weeks. All right, let's stay focused here. Kim says, I want somebody to explain how scriptures written thousands of years ago apply right now, today, for us, for me, for everyone. This is a fast-moving world, and I think each younger generation has a harder time with that. I want somebody that helps me unpack and what... I've never thought about that. I want to dig deeper into the word. I want somebody that helps me be authentic, that is authentic and relatable. You hear the common themes? In other words, we want a preacher to be a human being and want it to be open and transparent. And I started to put at this point, Kim, on the screen, a picture of Superman. And she's really just saying, can he be a real person and will you allow, here's the question for the church, Will you allow the preacher to be a real person? It's a big question. I want him to live what he preaches. Discuss your thoughts with someone you may disagree with and, and show them why you believe what you believe. Please don't be arrogant. We all come from different walks of life. Same, some may be old school and don't like new ideas or change. Some may be new Christians that, that do not have a lot of biblical knowledge and need guidance. I'm sure most of us in this congregation falls in between those two groups, so be prepared for all levels of knowledge and ideas coming at you. I had a Bible class in the four-year today before Bible class. It's, it's called the, the back pew in the four-year Bible class on Sunday morning before class. Enjoy the conversation. Ask them about what it means to be a good preacher. What do you expect in a preacher? Everything we mentioned, they mentioned. And you're oldest member of this church whose husband served as an elder for a long time said this you know if you will let your needs be known when my husband serves as an elder if you would say I'm going to the hospital or I'd like prayers for if you let them know that then we'll be glad to accommodate that but if you don't tell us and then you blame us 
That's my commentary, not hers. Hello. I want somebody to be mindful of those that are sick and shut in. Kim says, don't expect someone else to keep you informed. This is where Kim and I are going to have a little lunch talk, okay? I need all the help I can get with all the people, okay? I think I know what she means is that you proactively seek out people. You proactively engage people. Lastly, she says, make sure you take care of yourself and your family. You need time with your family. You need time with God. I'm sure this job can take its toll on both your family, your life, and your spiritual life. Make sure you take care of them. Well, there they are. The two ladies in the office last two weeks ago we did Jared. And today, Keith, come on up here. I'm going to give Keith what he needs to say because the other two ladies have already said everything anyway. Keith works as the involvement minister here, and I've uh, really enjoyed sparring with Keith and having fun with Keith. Love his heart. So when you think about being in the office, talk to us about the preacher. Your next preacher needs to be, what's on your mind? Well, thank you for making me last. They have covered pretty much every thought that I've had. Thank and, you very much, Keith. We're and, glad to have you here. Get over here, get over here. <laughs> well, I did that on purpose because I, I thought you might have a... No, I'll be very brief. Um, as far as a, what I would like to see in a minister here is a man who loves God, shares his word, is seasoned uh, with success and defeat, and has the compassion of Christ. Um... Maybe to uh, not only the souls that are lost, but the souls that may be lost in their journey, and that could be us. Mm -hmm. And that will cover what I have to say without tears. Whoa. The souls that are lost in their journey, and that may be us. Just let that sit for a minute. There is a way of being a good church member and going to church for years. And you lose your soul. You lose your fire. You lose your passion. But you're really a good person. And you show up. And you sit. You come. You listen. And you leave. A preacher is compassionate toward people who are struggling with their faith. That's why it's important to have someone, as I like to say, who has lines on their face and scars in their heart. Now, 22-year-old preachers have to start someplace. But I can say things at 62 that I couldn't at 32. Right? Lines on their face and scars in their heart. And open about the grace of God and the gospel of Christ and trusting God and alive in their soul and their spirit. 
for being God's person and leading God's church beyond where she's been so God can get the glory and the world can say, those people at that place at Lamar Avenue, they will love you regardless. They will show you compassion. They will give you mercy. That preacher up there, he lives what he preaches. Those people up there, they are not perfect, but I want to tell you, if you want a place that you be loved and not judged and you can have some hope and you can learn about Scripture and you can learn about God and there's a spirit there that's just not about being good religious people on Sunday, God is alive at Lamar Avenue Church of Christ. That's where you're headed. That's where you should already be. But some have lost their journey along, their soul along the way. And your soul is what gives you fire. Your soul is what keeps you glued together. Your soul is what gives you life. Your soul is what gives you energy. It's the essence of who you are. So we invite you today to remember Jesus Christ, son of David, descendant of David, raised from the dead and endure with him and live with him forever and ever. And if you need to start that journey by being baptized into Christ, or if you need to start that journey by just saying, there's no fire in my soul, pray for me. We'll receive you right now as we stand and sing.